jasoncharles.net. Deep talk, deep sounds. And now, cover girl. This is Under the Covers with Claire Connors on jasoncharles.net. Hello, magazine lovers. This is Claire Connors with Under the Covers. The following is part two of my two-part conversation with Steve Bloom of CelebStoner.com and former longtime editor of High Times Magazine. You guys knew what numbers you had. You knew what was going on. Did you have any issues with putting African-Americans on the cover versus Caucasians on the cover or white people on the cover and um, having sales differ, any kind of um, feedback from that kind of thing? Because that tends to happen in regular publications. You know, High Times is a little bit of an outlier. So that stuff didn't really come up uh, for us. It wasn't um, like, oh, you know, we put Ice Cube on the cover. Somehow or other, it's going to do worse than Kevin Smith. If anything, Ice Cube would do better than Kevin Smith, to be honest. But, um, but you know, so it really mattered who you're dealing with. Um, it's all not so much the color, but, you know, the popularity. You know, who is going to sell enough magazines to justify publishing that issue or to publish another issue similar to that? And we constantly had problems with these covers not selling as well as the plant covers. But, but the goal was that it would at least sell, say, three quarters as much, not half. You know, if it's half, then it's hard for me to go back and say, hey, let's do another celebrity cover. But if it's three quarters, I'll say, okay, it's still pretty good sales. It may not be up there, but it's still good enough. So you had to kind of, you know, pick the right person. Um, so, you know, Snoop Dogg, we did a couple of times. Uh, Cypress Hill, we did Be Real another time, you know, being Hispanic or Latin, you know, or people of color. Um, Red Man followed Cypress Hill. We did a Wu-Tang cover. We did the Ice Cube cover. We did a number of, um, of reggae theme covers. We did a number of Bob Marley, remembering Bob Marley covers. We did Ziggy, Steven, and Damien. We did Beanie Man. We did Joe Hill from Culture. I think we did more than most. Yeah, I, I absolutely. And I and God bless you guys, because that's like who was who was reading the magazine, do you think? Was it um, really just potheads or did you have like yeah, well, yeah, mostly mostly pot smokers, kind of young in the teens, early twenties. Uh, so a lot of them were getting into hip hop. So that was kind of good. Um, they're into music. Uh, so, um, so, you know, and they're into the dead, but they could be into hip hop. So there's a wide range. So and the thing was, I think that what we did and helped accomplish, we sort of built a bridge to the, uh, the black community that didn't really exist in the marijuana world prior. Obviously going back historically, marijuana was originally smoked by you know the mexicans who brought it into the country and by the black musicians who adopted it in new orleans and and became popular in their culture so it kind of you know came through that world the reefer music of the 30s the the songs that all embraced marijuana and kind of the hip-hop era was a little bit like that in the 90s similar to the reefer era in the 30s with all the musicians singing about you know, weed, you know, in the thirties, they were singing about reefer uh, and it was mostly blacks, you know, who were celebrating cannabis. So it was just kind of a similarity. Uh, and, uh, but the good thing was on the political side and we're seeing the real benefits of it now, uh, you know, with equity and diversity being such important issues in the marijuana world, yeah. 
um, you know, the door sort of opened, I think, to people who felt they were out of it and not really participating. And so it was up to them to get involved, but at least hip hop, I think, was that bridge. Did you, oh, let's talk about the Francis cover since she's so in the news right now. I'm very, that, that's such an adorable cover, by the way. And I love Laurel Canyon. I thought that was such a great film. Had you, had you seen the film before you booked Francis or was this just, you knew that it was a, a kind of a pot movie? Well, this was a whole other way of getting a cover done. This was a uh, higher up stuff at High Times. Uh, the High Times ownership was friends with Sony Pictures Classics. Right. Michael Barker and uh, Tom Bernard. And uh, they're friends of High Times. And we started an award show back then called the Stonies. Oh, yeah. And, and, uh, and Barker and Tom would come to these events. And uh, they were just friends of the High Times family. So, so when uh, Laurel Canyon, which was their movie, was coming out, they tipped off, you know, our people and they wanted actually, you know, coverage in high times. They recommended it and they offered Francis for a cover. And uh, I just read that New York Times article about her, the latest, latest one, you know, with her being in nomad land. And uh, it said that she never did interviews back then. I didn't realize that she was a really difficult interview to get. I didn't know. But so the thing was, okay, so we nailed that thanks to the Sony Pictures Classics people setting it up, um, but then was negotiation of what we could do with her. Right. You know, usually, you know, we're bringing a band, a band, they don't care. They'll smoke to their heart's content. They'll hold it, put it behind their ears, they'll put it in their nose, whatever you ask them to do, they'll do, you know. But with her, you know, they were trying to set up some ground rules before. She will not smoke. She will not smoke. Don't give her anything to smoke or something along those lines. So, can, so my, my, my question back to the publicist who I was dealing with, I forget who that was, was, well, can she wear a potley T-shirt? And they agreed to that. Right. So at least, you know, we need something to represent on the cover. Like, for instance, we did George Carlin once and we just picked up a shot, a blank, a, a, a bland shot. We didn't have access to George, but we had a great interview and we thought he was right for high times. But it was just sort of a dull cover. It's like George like this pointing. But, you know, you need George like maybe like that and like that. Or then you got your Tommy Chong cover or whatever. So, you know, so, you know, it, it, it just, you know, sometimes they, they, they didn't work. It, you can't just have a bland high times cover. You need something that represents high times on the cover. Right. Joint, pound, a, a mound of pot, a, a vape pen. I don't know what, something. You know, so uh, so we just went into that saying, OK, you know, we're not going to say no to the interview because they said no smoking. We'll see what happens. Right. You know? We don't know. We'll just see what happens. So photos set up. And first of all, Fran shows up by herself. You got to love that. I love it. No handlers, nobody there to kind of interfere. Nobody to say, I don't think she does. Nobody taking me aside and saying, Steve, I think that kind of stuff that does happen at photo shoots. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she was by herself. So basically, you know, we didn't really have to prod her much at all. I mean, she did the, sh the T-shirt photo, but then she did a joint with it. And then the third photo that we, well, the other photo that ended up on the inside was the four lighters lighting up the joint. That was her idea. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I, I think my hand is the top hand there. And, that uh -huh. photo, and then there's four other hands in there kind of like all reaching to light the joint. So that was her idea. So, I mean, don't listen to the publicist, you know, and do your own thing. And hopefully they won't, you know, bring a, a battalion of handlers so you can you, you could do stuff and not have to worry about everything being a controversy or a big issue. You truly lucked out on that one. Did you shoot that in L.A. or New York? That was New York. That was um, that was Grant LeDuc. 
Grant LeDuc, okay. You talked about having that the cover shoots are highly secretive. Was that because of the legality issues? I guess so. I mean, you don't want people to know, you know, I mean, I don't know. We weren't that paranoid. We thought New York cops would come and bust our photo shoot or something. So you ever get busted? No, no, I'm just saying no, but we didn't have to really, I guess we're just being careful, but we never had a problem at a photo shoot. Uh, you know, you were talking back to like um, the one that I didn't get to, I think you were referring to, um, I don't know, photos, some of our photo shoots that made the news or. Yeah, uh, did anything you know, like something like, crazy. Ozzy. Okay. <laughs> that was an ex another one where I got a phone call saying that I, I forget how, but I didn't even think we even made a request. I got a phone call saying Ozzy wants to do an interview with High Times, something like that. I, I don't think Ozzy was high on my list because I thought Ozzy was sober, you know. So, uh, but we got uh, approval to do uh, photos and and uh, and an interview with Ozzy, um, but it was uh, a closed photo shoot. Um, and we couldn't really let even staff people in. And all the staff people wanted to come in. Even the guy who was writing the article, Chris Simonek, we couldn't let in. They were out in the hallway. It was really pissing them off. And uh, it was Dennis Kleiman who did that shoot. And when I got there, I got in. But um, Ozzy was running around with a bag of weed. It was about yay big, like a, like a pound of pot or something. And he was like a kid in the candy store with his bag of weed. And he was jumping around. Look, I got, I got my bag of weed. got my bag of weed. <laughs> Well, that bag of weed got progressively like smaller and smaller, I think, as the day went on. And, and Ozzy ultimately did smoke, but we couldn't use the photo in the photo shoot. We had like an outtake of him actually smoking, but we weren't supposed to show it because he was supposed to be sober. Yet he was doing a high times photo shoot. Pretty funny, right? So uh, when the magazine came out, uh, an article uh, was dropped in page six uh, about Ozzy stealing our pot. Okay, and, and it came out that you know at the photo shoot there was you know it was a big rip off at the high times photo shoot, and it kind of made Ozzy look bad, you know. And we didn't care, but the publisher, Mike Edison, you know, wanted to get publicity, and he was right in terms of getting publicity. He got publicity, but it also kind of uh, you know created a bit of a wound in our relationship with Ozzy and uh, and the, and the uh -huh. family. Um, but the funny thing was, you know, uh, years later, I was at a, uh, a like some of the interview which Sharon was at. And it was like a she was on stage taking questions and it got to me the microphone. I say, Sharon, I want to apologize, you know, for years ago. We added Ozzy and she's oh, that was the funniest thing. Ooh, nobody cared. You know, so we thought they were mad at us and they just thought it was a big larf, you know, but it, it got us a lot of publicity. Uh, um, you um, at one point I was reading uh, you had written that you were in originally in offices. Um, where were your original offices? I can't remember. And then you had to move to new offices on Park Park Avenue. Well, when I started there, we were on Forty Third Street 43rd. by uh, by Grand Central. But um, but then we moved to Park and Nineteenth, uh, and then we moved to Park and Twenty Ninth. At one point, no marijuana smoking was allowed, right? Like you had. No, we had we had problems in the first place. I never we never had that first office. Everybody pretty much everybody smoked in the offices whatever they wanted. Nobody hassled you in the building. And I, I remember in the early days, I times I had to get my pages done, my news pages done. I had to go to the, you know, and I come in, I only worked two weeks out of the month at that time. And I come in and get my pages done, but eight pages of news. And I had to basically get the art department stone to get it done. I had to bring my own weed, smoke them out, and then they'll do my pages. So, so that was okay. Uh, in the, in the park Avenue offices, we were nonstop, but has hassled. I mean, the first office, we ended up on the roof. We ended up next door in somebody's apartment. We ended up on the streets. 
it was a real mess, you know, because it was really hard. You know, high people come up to high times. They want to have a little bit of a good time. They want to, you know, uh, celebs would come up. They want to, you know, hang a little bit and tell their little high time story. And but, you know, sometimes we just couldn't we couldn't do that for them. I, you know, and then the next office, the 29th and Park was a little bit better because we had like a back porch okay. connected to a stairwell that seemed to work. Uh, but the second office was a real hassle. We were running all over New York trying to get high and <laughs> couldn't really do it. We had a back office that got shut down. We just had, we just moved all over that office to try and find some place to smoke. And, and one other thing that you mentioned was that you had um, the 420 meetings. Were they always at 420 and did everyone get high at the, it sounds so inspired, like let's meet at 420, let's smoke some pot and let's brainstorm. Is that what you guys you know, would do? Well, I mean, the general meetings were more like, you know, noonish meetings okay. or 11 in the morning meetings or two in the afternoon meetings, you know, normal, you know, time for an editorial meeting. But uh, the 420 was not a meeting. It was more of a hang. And where we could smoke in the office and the places where it was okay and not being hassled, you know, we could have a nice hang kind of from four o'clock on the office was pretty lit up. Uh, I mean, what I had to learn in high times was the office was kind of lit up all day, but, you know, but not so much in the individual offices, but in the rooms where you can kind of get away with it. People go back into a given room and smoke and then go back and get back to work and stuff like that. But I found that it was a little hard for me to kind of at first to kind of work within that framework because I um, I was always kind of a late day smoker, not awake and baker, smoke more like after you get your work done, so to speak, or or after dinner or socializing when you're out at night and that kind of stuff. And just getting high, like the first thing when you get to work was not really what I normally did. So sometimes I was a little out of it up at high times and, you know, and I had to kind of work around that, not out of it, that zonked out. But I mean, I noticed that I had to learn what I could do and what I couldn't do. For instance, I I wouldn't do contracts stoned. <laughs> I wouldn't do things that I'd have to file away and I might lose. Um, I don't remember where I put. I'll admit it. You know, it, it, marijuana plays games with your memory at times, and so so you have to be kind of careful. You use it at the right time. You know, marijuana is very good for creativity and thought and stuff like that. But sometimes retrieval of information is a little slow, and so you want to retrieve a little faster. So hold back you know, wait until later when you stay a little sharper and you could dull your senses a little bit for the enjoyment of it, you know, and all that memory stuff will come back, but you may not know at that moment, you know, <laughs> so, you know, so, and you need to sometimes know at that moment, right? So, um, so you have to hold back. So I had to learn, you know, when and when not. Some days, like a Friday, you know, and somebody would come into the office, a grower and have some really great stuff. And I just, okay, screw it. I'm not that busy today. We're not on deadlines. I'm devoting all day today to getting stuff. Right. <laughs> I'm, starting, I'm starting at noon and all day long I'm smoking whatever comes into this office. <laughs> and I would do it every once in a while because I didn't have any work to do that day or I just not on deadline, you know, or had an issue done, had a couple of days, you know, to just chill until you dive into your next issue. And I just spend the whole day stoned. Now that to me, like a Sunday when I know that I'm done with everything and I, all I have to do is relax. That's one of my favorite things to do. It's just so much fun. Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? Um, we're we're going to have to wind up soon. I want to talk about celebstoner.com, uh, but the, you read, you wrote something in your, you know, going in your reminiscing about high times that when you started, when you wrote the book with Shirley, um, 
the first book, that that kind of shut the door on your career at HT or what 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 happened? That period, uh, my last few years at High Times were a little, it was a difficult period. High Times, post 9-11, High Times sort of started to feel, you know, the economic pains uh, and, uh, and sales went down. And so they went into a period of bringing in some new people and they brought in some people who really weren't qualified and hurt the company pretty badly with some bad issues and about a year's worth of, you know, bad decisions. And then they, uh, they tried to, you know, rebuild again and they brought me and two other editors together to be co-editors for a couple of years. And, uh, so I had that run, uh, but then they, uh, then they decided we needed, they weren't happy with us for whatever reason. And they brought back a previous editor, which, you know, certainly antagonized me in terms of how I felt about the company. Uh, and, uh, and then, uh, I stepped away, uh, when they did that and I only was working part-time I resigned after that, you know, when I was, I guess removed as edit co-editor, uh, and, uh, I just don't want to work there anymore. I didn't work for a company that didn't respect, you know, the work I was doing, at least I don't feel they were, uh, to treat me that way and to try to put me back into my old position, so to speak. And it's like, no. So, uh, so I was quitting, but then they asked me to stick around and stay on and, sort of stay on a retainer and do a few things like my award shows and this or that. So I figured, okay, I could use the money. So I, I left the office, stayed on a retainer, and then Shirley contacted me with uh, the idea for pot culture, even before it was named pot culture. And she wanted uh, a collaborator. Right. Uh, and obviously she knew I had a lot of knowledge and you know, we we're friends as it was. So we we're you know, made for a good team. Uh, so we started to work together on that. It took about six months to write it, to get that proposal into shape. And, uh, I don't know where it got around to high times that I was working on a book and, um, and they started to get obsessed about it. Um, they didn't like the idea of it. They wanted control. They wanted say so they wanted approval and it just ticked everybody off. Uh, Shirley, the publisher, the agent, everybody was kind of ticked off at high times. And I was sort of caught in the middle and Shirley pretty much advised me, said, Bloomy, it's time for you to step away from high times, you know, they're not treating you right. And she was right. It was hard for me, but I did. Sure. And, uh, and so, you know, unfortunately the book got between us. I'll never understand why. That's such a bummer, you know, but who knows what people are thinking when things you are know, happening. I mean, part, of, part of it was, you know, in a deeper way of thinking, you know, high times uh, had changed ownership to, from trust to shareholders in the year 2000. I was granted several shares so I was an owner at that time. They kind of wanted to do all those shares back. They were making our lives a little miserable. I think that was a little bit of part of it. I don't say these things because the people who did these things, you know, are not not alive these days. But um, but they didn't treat us very well, and I think they were greedy and they wanted our, they wanted all the shares. Well, f them. Just kidding. Um, I, I still see it on the newsstand, so it still exists. My times has had a rocky road uh, since Michael Kennedy died in 2017. The company was sold uh, to a you know to a um, consortium. Uh, they moved the company to LA. Okay. They're apparently going into retail right now because they can't make any money doing anything else. Uh, their events ground to a halt during COVID. The magazine hasn't sold well for years, probably declining you know circulation. They still probably make a lot of money in advertising. Because the magazine's 160, 180 pages, 
So, you know, but they might make a lot of deals and this and that and to fill it up. And they did take a four month break during COVID. Uh, I thought maybe they would throw the magazine overboard, you know, to save money, but they came back with it. Uh, and the magazine looks okay. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it still serves its purpose, but, um, but I just don't think it has its following like it used. I think people still have, you know, a lot of love for high times, but I'm not sure they're really going out and getting the magazine these days. It was interesting to see it. I saw it at, the, at my Target. Um, you know, their newsstand is now like four magazines wide. It's not a, a magazine stand there at all. But um, no, when I saw it, I was like, wow, I didn't even know that Stone was running. All right. So let's talk about CelebStoner.com. How did you, the, the, it's, the years coincide. So when you finished um, working at High Times, did you branch out? Did you create... I, I kind of came up with Sleb Stoner as I was sort of halfway out the door with okay. High Times. I was still there. I, can't, I started Sleb Stoner in late 2006. I didn't leave High Times until 2007, okay. but uh, mid-2007. So I kind of started conceiving it just before I was completely out the door of High Times. Uh, and, you know, it's because I had been covering celebrities at High Times for years anyway. So the idea was a website devoted to celebrities who advocate for legalizing marijuana, uh, and I guess it's a limited idea, but you can expand off of that. And back then, a lot of these celebrities were getting arrested, like Willie Nelson seemed to be getting arrested, you know, every couple of months. So I was covering kind of like TMZ for pot, you know, just covering, you know, that really was sort of the idea of the website was just get out there and cover these stories where, you know, these celebrities are being harassed for marijuana and uh and go digging in that area and then i kind of expanded it because as you know an interest in culture uh movies television all those things so i can expand off of that and have a website that focuses on the news but also on the culture and kind of make it a little more on the fun side you know you can get real heavy and dark a little bit about you know the laws and how bad you know the drug war has been um but you can also have a little fun with it too and enjoy the movies and the music that that is about it and uh so i kind of decided to make a site like that you know what generally interests me right exactly hey that's the reason that's how so many great things start or well actually you've been doing it for so long now um so what where can people is it just on celebstoner.com you just can you subscribe like what's how does it work uh, well, it's you know, pretty much your basic website that you don't need to subscribe to. The only subscription we have is through Patreon. Uh, we encourage people to join the Sleb Stoner group at Patreon. You become a Sleb Stoner VIP. You get all the advanced posts. You get all kinds of nice little goodies in the mail. Uh, you're just kind of part of this select group. And also, you know, if you have something you're promoting, a lot of my Patreons have products that they would like to see a little promotion. And I use the Facebook page and Twitter to promote uh, these small independent companies to, you know, get their, get the word out on them. So I like Patreon and it's building. So I would encourage people uh, who want to be a little bit more involved with Sleb Stoner to go, go to the Patreon. Just, just, uh, just type in Sleb Stoner at Patreon. You'll find us. What's interesting is that some, even I knew that we were going to talk over the last couple of weeks, and I feel like I see Slub Stoner all the time now. It's like you've been doing a lot of newsy stuff that seems to be popping up on my feed. I'm not quite sure. Well, I'm so happy to hear that. Um, yeah. you know, sometimes you feel like you're a little lost in the, uh, you know, in the crowd of uh, blogs and websites that focus on marijuana. The thing right. is that it's a little hard to get people's attention these days because you know, now, I mean, back in the high times days, you know, the mainstream media 
never covered marijuana except for some big bust or something, you know, 3,000 pounds, you know, you know, you know, bust coming into the U.S. from Mexico or something. You know, they just never covered this stuff right. it, it, unless it was negative. Now, every story, you know, Virginia goes legal. It's in, you know, it's in the New York Times. Yeah. So uh, so it's you have to really find stories that nobody's covering. Right. You have to find you dig like today's story was, you know, cannabis events returning in 2021. I haven't seen anybody report that yet. And yesterday we went through an old blog post that I had of like all the events that were canceled last year. And now I saw that a few of these events are coming back and I figured, oh, let me go through the whole list and see what's the status. I found a bunch of events that are, that are happening. I didn't even know, wow. you know, and they're actually going to get people in hotels and, and convention centers for marijuana events. I'm not so sure that's a good idea, but they're moving ahead. Some companies are moving ahead with in-person events. So that kind of stuff, you know, get out there with something that nobody has. Right. Another story that we're working on uh, is there's a this constant reference to 40,000 uh, cannabis prisoners in jails in America. And I have a researcher I work with and he questioned that figure uh, and he says it's maybe closer to 30,000. And so we're in the middle of kind of trying to get a handle on the true number of marijuana prisoners in America. And we're dealing with the last prisoner project that, that does say that's 40,000. They contacted me today. They think there's a lot more. They just, the stats are not very clear. So things like that, you know, story that nobody else has. You know, that's what I'm trying to do. But at the same time, Ice Cube breaks out a, uh, a marijuana brand. I'm reporting it. I don't care how many people cover it. That's my target. That's what I, we need to focus on. I try to get the first story or among the first stories, but usually I'll be the second or third in line on a story like that or a press release already went out. Others have picked it up and we'll do it too. So it's just a combination. You know, the Golden Globes last night, you know, focusing on the stoner aspects or let's just say the Billie Holiday movie and uh, Audra Day wins and, uh, and, you know, she does a lot of heroin that movie. Be, you know, so it's just worth noting, you know, and also I will say that Slepstoner is not just for marijuana, it's all drugs, not that we favor necessarily all the drugs, but we covered them. Right. You know, if mar if somebody's shooting up in a movie, I'm covering it. If somebody's lighting up a joint, I'm covering it. Somebody's doing a mushroom trip, I'm covering it. So, you know, so I'm looking at it, how society you know, views all these things through the lens of TV, movies, music. You know, and so you can tell sometimes it's been a little bit of a lull lately with, say, uh, stoner uh, characterizations in television. It seemed like there was a big period and then it's kind of slowed down. So I'm waiting for another period. Um, so it just things come and go. There's less stoner uh, classic stoner movies coming out right now. Maybe all this is because legalization and, you know, the era of, uh, of, of prohibition led to all of these movies that were promoting marijuana in some shape or form. And now that it's legal, there's less of an interest to put out those kind of movies. You know, so we'll see what the next phase will be. But right now they're kind of phasing out. All they're doing are opioid commercials. <laughs> you know, the next phase is psychedelics. Right. Oh, absolutely. Are you going to be involved in that in some way with Celeb Stoner? I'll cover it. I've been You're covering, covering it. it. Yeah, okay. because, to me, psychedelics is like the new medical marijuana. They're treating Absolutely. mushrooms now as a medicine, just like they started to treat marijuana as a medicine. When we were younger, we used all these things recreational. We didn't see them as medicines. We just enjoyed them. Now you're seeing the medical value and that's fine. If people want to utilize these for medicine and therapeutic, great. If they just want to have a good time, that's good too. That's why they call it recreational versus medical. And both are, you know, both are on the way up in terms of more and more states legalizing. And then the next thing, now you're seeing states legalizing or decriminalizing mushrooms, 
plants, uh, you know, chemicals, things that you can use that have some benefits therapeutically, you know, for different problems that people have in life. So that's a whole new thing, uh, but it's happening very fast. It is uh, very quick, swift uh, uh, movement uh, to uh, decriminalize psychedelics. So yeah, I'm all over that. Ah, uh, I'm yeah. I want to join you on all of this stuff. By the way, <laughs> I'm so fascinated by it. It's so great. I have loved talking to you, and you've you're so informative and um, and clear speaking about everything. I really appreciate you taking all of this time to talk with me and tell me these fantastic stories about your days at high times and, and your current uh, career at slubstoner.com. Uh, where can we find you online besides um, slubstoner.com? You're on Twitter, right? Yeah, you can either find me uh, as a Slep Stoner, you know, where you see Slep Stoner, uh, just type in, or you could see Steve Bloom or Steve Bloom Dude. Uh, oftentimes, right. I use that as a little bit of a username. So Bloom Dude. Uh, so like on Facebook, I, I think I'm Steve Bloom. Bloom Dude is my regular page, and then my Slep Stoner page is a very popular page. I really recommend you know people to sign up there. It's very active, lots of comments. I'm always always posting. It's kind of an adjunct to Slep Stoner. If I don't really want to post an article, a full article, I'll just go with sort of an abridged version up at Facebook, you know, post a meme or post an article from another site or direct people to get a conversation going on a given subject and see what people think about something. And then maybe that leads to an article. Right. That's perfect. So um, when you say to sign up, you mean that on Twitter to follow Slub Stoner on Twitter? You can do that. On, I mean, we're Slub is on Twitter, Instagram. We're on Pinterest. Uh, I don't really utilize that much. Uh, we're mostly active on uh, Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. Okay, perfect. Um, I will be putting up all of the um, covers that we discussed on my Instagram, which is um, at under the covers with Claire. And this has been amazing, Steve. You're such a great guest. I want to thank everyone for listening today. Go to Celeb Stoner and um, read up on the latest, greatest news on celebrities and marijuana and other drugs. This has been Under the Covers with Claire Connors at jasoncharles.net. You've been listening to part two of my exclusive two-part conversation with Steve Bloom. Subscribe to Under the Covers with Claire Connors. That's me, wherever you get your podcasts and always live and direct on jasoncharles.net, podcast network, arts and culture channel. You've been listening to Under the Covers with Claire Connors on jasoncharles.net. For more information about Claire Connors, a.k.a. Claire the Celebrity Booker, go to Claire the Celebrity Booker on Instagram. Oh, I didn't know this would be out this month. JasonCharles.net Deep talk, deep sounds. That was so deep.